time. And I just want to encourage everyone here, if this is new to you, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. And I feel like a lot of our intimidation come, sometimes comes from the spiritual things of God, the supernatural of God. And I've learned not to be afraid of that. I've learned not to, not to avoid it, but to embrace it. And I could only do that with the help of God. And he's brought me to a place like this where I can understand that God truly does want to father me. And many of us have come from homes maybe where we didn't have a relationship that we see that was ideal, that was textbook or storybook with our fathers. But I've recognized, I've come to recognize since I've been an adult in my years, the, the value of that bond a father has with their child and that how needed that is, whether you're a daughter or a son, to have that kind of bond with your, your natural dad growing up and at, at a certain age, that bond is just solidified and strengthened, right? But I, don't, I share this because I recognize that many of us may or may not have had that. For those of you who have, I, you can testify of it and how important that was in shaping your entire life and every aspect of that. So for those, who, for those of you who have those, those young children right now and your dads, value that time. Pray to God in Jesus' name how you can be the best dad that you can be, a godly dad, one who cares and nurtures their son or daughter in the name of Jesus, because that's going to shape their lives. And we all, you all, many of you have been there and done that. And I praise God for that. But take that and recognize that if you didn't have that growing up, or if you've not had that relationship with your dad, today is a day that we can know that we have a heavenly father who wants to father us and restore we serve a God who wants to restore these kinds of things into our lives, whether we've ever had them or not. And I've, I've known just, I've just contemplated in my life, and there's been times in my life where I've thought, man, would it, wouldn't it have been nice to have that kind of upbringing in my life? You know, and what difference that could have made for me and who I was and, and my experiences and the way I think of myself. Because all that comes into play based on that relationship with our dads growing up. But I recognize that even though those things may have been lacking in my life, Jesus amen. has restored yeah, these things. And he wants to father every single person here. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that one of the main functions of the church is to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and keep while well, we keep ourselves unspotted from this world. That is the mission of the church, and that is what the church has brought into my life. I saw that. When I came into a place like this, I immediately felt the welcoming presence of God in a way that I had not felt before. It was a fatherly presence. He wanted to be my father now. He didn't want to just save me. He wants to be my father, and now he didn't want to just be my father, but he wanted to fill me with his precious spirit, which is available for everybody in a place like this. And I believe that that atmosphere is vital, that we're in it, right? Because not everybody in this world embraces that, but we're in a place where we can embrace that Jesus is our father, he is our son, he is the son, he is the Holy Ghost. And through that, through that, we can receive that faith covenant relationship that God has designed for everybody. 
the promises unto you and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And for a lot of years, I didn't believe that that applied to me. And if that's you today, I want you to know that God loves you. He's been reaching for you. If we read the parables in the book of Luke and many others in the Gospels, we see Jesus playing that fatherly role, reaching out to prodigals and restoring them into that relationship. And that maybe we've never even experienced what it's like to have a relationship before. But God is here to do that, to bring that restoration into our lives. And that is the fulfillment of everything he spoke of in the Old Testament. He said that one day, there'd be a day that he would not only give us a law, but he would put that law in our hearts and our minds and that we could be his sons and his daughters and that we could know him in that kind of relationship. He wants to abide in us and walk with us. He wants to commune with us in a very deep and personal and powerful way and fulfill us in only the way God can fulfill us. And that's where we find ourselves, brothers and sisters, in this life. We go through life and we find ourselves at a place where we're empty and we're lonely and we're afraid because of all that the world has been selling us and we've been buying and thinking that that's our identity. That's what we need to be. But God is standing by and he's reached us. He has searched all of us out. And I think of that parable. I think of the parable where Jesus said that he is, he's gone like a shepherd and searched out that one lost sheep that went astray. And we as a church, we're here today because he did that for us. He did that for us. And if he's willing to die, come down and be, become that sacrifice for you and I, what would he not do? He did it all. He's provided the sacrifice. And, he, and he, he provides a way for you and I to come and to be whole. And I think that's, that's the point, right, of the, of the Bible. When we read it, we realize Jesus Christ, he came to bring wholeness and restoration, completeness. Because we were walking around, we're, we're not there. But Jesus has come to fulfill us and make us wholesome. And I'm coming to really appreciate that aspect of God, that that is what he's That's what he wants to bring into our lives. And as I look around, I see examples of that in the church. And I believe that's another reason why the church is here on this earth, to represent that body, that wholeness that is found only in Christ. We see in Jesus' earthly ministry, when he'd walk around, people would, those who'd even touch him, right, were immediately made whole. Remember the woman who had the infirmity for 12 years And many of you and I are like that. We just carry these things for years and years, burdens and weights and sins, maybe even illnesses. But when we can we can come and touch Jesus like she did, she was immediately made whole. And I look at that and I say, well, well, was that just for back then? What about us today? You know, that was great. I believe Jesus did that back then. I believe these things were happening. But how does that happen today? Does that happen today? And the answer is absolutely. Look around. Look around. I see people who are whole. And to me, the church has been that representation of people who've been made whole by God. I see the wholeness in your life. I see the virtue that's there that God put there. And I know your testimonies because you've shared them with me. 
You've shared from this pulpit what God has done for you. And I believe that is the main mission of the church these days and these last days, to be his witnesses of restoration, of people who were broken that God has put back together and made whole again. And, and we, can, we can represent that, and people need to see that. They don't need to see our religion. They don't need to see our, 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 our outward appearance as far as our nice clothes and everything. They need to see a broken person who was made whole. Because that's what's going to give them the confidence that they can be saved, that they can be restored, that they can be made whole. And you and I can be those witnesses of these things. We can reach out to the fatherless and the widows. And with the help of God, we can be kept unspotted from this world and be separated. And as I read the Bible and I read about this thing called a church, I realize the church, we're always just part of what the, 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 the Old Testament called the people of God. God's always had a people. He started and he brought them out and he separated them and he wanted them to be unique. First and foremost, to want worship the true God, to know that there's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, right? Deuteronomy 6 and 4. And Jesus repeated and quoted that very same scripture in the New Testament. He said, and now shall worship that one God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to also love him and love our neighbors ourselves. So God's people have always worshiped the true God. That's first and foremost that made them distinct from everything else, from everyone else. And God wanted everyone to know that, that this is the one God. This is the true God. He is the one who can save. He can heal. He can deliver. And when he opens a door, no man can shut it. And when he shuts a door, no man can open it. He wants to know that us to know that he is the true God. So God's people have always worshipped the one true God from Old and New Testament. That has never changed. God's people were always also distinct in that they relied upon the word of God. It was his word that they embraced. And those who were faithful in God and did exploits and were able to overcome and do these great things we read about in the Bible relied upon the word of God. Okay, and we're doing, we're doing search for truth for, for, some of a, for some of our families here in the church. And we're learning about how precious God is, uh, his word is, and how he has preserved it throughout time. And many of you have sat through that study. Isn't it amazing that God, the way he kept his word, and it's been under absolute attack from the beginning, from the garden, the word of God was under attack. And he, but yet, through his sovereignty, through his ability, his power, he kept that word intact for you and I today. People have died just trying to translate the word of God into the common language of the people. Can you imagine that? And, and, and we live in America today, and, and I know it's kind of hard to kind of embrace that or think about that, but that's true in our history. And, 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 but we, the point is that the word of God's always been under attack and still is. So what is our safe place? How do you and I as believers, as the church, how are we protected from these things? And the one thing we need to understand is that the people of God immersed themselves in God's word. The scripture's clear on that, that the people of God have embraced his word. The Bible says that we need to not only know the truth, 
Jesus said, you shall know the truth and truth shall make you free. But we also learn in the scriptures that we need to love the truth of God's word. It's that love of the truth that's going to keep you and I because that is the foundation that will not fail. Jesus said, he who hears these sayings of mine, Matthew 7, and does them is like unto someone who builds their foundation, their home upon a rock. And we know that's the... That's the rock that is Jesus Christ. That's the solid foundation. It's not going anywhere. The people of God immerse themselves in the word of God. Study to show thyself approved, the Bible says. And, and Timothy's, uh, the letter to Timothy that Paul wrote, he encouraged them. He said to not only be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you, but he says preach the word, right? Because there's going to be a time that will come where people will not endure that sound word of God, otherwise known as sound doctrine, you know? And where do we find our doctrine? Where do we find the source of God's word? Right here. His written word can keep you and I. It can help us. It can change the wrong thinking that you and I have in our life and ultimately build us up and make us the able ministers that God wants us to be in these last days, the church. So the people of God not only know that there's one God, but they immerse themselves in the word of God. In this, the book of Psalms, if you want to put up Psalms 19, and you can write this down. I don't want to keep, let's see. Psalms 19, talking about the word of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And as I thought and I prayed about this idea of the people of God immersing ourselves, I re recognized right away that the New Testament is chocked full with this idea of immersion, otherwise known as baptism, right? And I see this theme in the New Testament. And so my prayer today is that we can embrace this idea like never before of full immersion, right? We understand that many of us, if not all of us here, have been water baptized in Jesus' name, right? We just had uh, Brother... Brother Samuel and Sister Stacy get baptized recently. So then if, if anyone understands the idea of fully immersed, this full immersion, it should be the church, right? In the name of Jesus. So as we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, uh, my prayer for my brothers and sisters today is that as the church, as the called out ones, your people, Lord, that we would embrace Lord, this idea of being fully immersed in your word, fully immersed in your spirit, being fully immersed in prayer, Lord, for these are the things that are clear in your word that has built up the church, that has made the church strong and effective in their communities and against governments, Lord. These things are the things that have allowed the church to stand throughout time and to endure and be effective, Lord, and be winners of souls, Lord, and to turn worlds upside down and communities, Lord, Lord, and see people converted, see the people who were destroyed
destroying the church now be converted to those who are building up the church, Lord. In Jesus' name, this idea of immersion, be immersed in your word through water baptism, through spirit baptism, Lord, but also just every day living our lives fully immersed in your will, Lord God, through your word, your spirit, and committing ourselves to prayer, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray that prayer right now for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that prayer for anyone watching right now, that you would know today that it is the will of God that we give diligence, right? Brother Jude said in his word, to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would take hold of that today, that we would understand that one faith came about by the early church because they were immersed in the things of God. They believed in the one God. God of the Bible that came down for them and robed himself in flesh and was manifested in the flesh to become our salvation, Lord. And you have given of your spirit, Lord, to abide in us, inside of us, to be our heavenly father, our savior, and our comforter in the name of Jesus, Lord. So let us today contend for that faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And brothers and sisters, as I read my Bible, the only conclusion, the only way I get to the, the understanding that I get from God's word is that through this idea of immersion in God fully overwhelmed if you look under the the biblical definition of the word baptism you'll find that very word immersion okay and I just want to give you one other definition for 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 our for our teaching here today but even out of Webster's immersion means to the state of being deeply engaged or involved and that's what I see the early church doing after they received the things of God, after they understood this covenant, this new covenant through Jesus Christ, they fully immersed themselves. Yes, before that, there was a little bit of tug and war of self-will. We see that in Peter, right? When he went fishing and the disciples followed him, he wasn't quite there yet, right? But God saw past that and reached out for him and went to him and said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? then feed my lambs. And we see Peter, that same Peter, on the day of Pentecost, standing up and saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That same Peter who was struggling, he was finally converted Right. He finally became and embraced this idea of immersion in this gospel to live for it, to embrace it, to live my life, to set aside. We don't see Peter struggling with fishing anymore after that. Right. But him and the other apostles, this was the early church. That was the, the template that, that was set for you and I. And in and, and God's word, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, yeah. right? And that word there in the Greek means rima. It's the revealed word. And as those of you who are studying in your, your uh, Bible studies and, and working on uh, getting digging deeper in Ministry Central, will come across teachings on that about the rima of God's word, the specific revelation that God gives us. And many of us, for me, I know, get, I get it a lot hearing messages from the pulpit, 
as I'm seeking God, he, he just highlights something or confirms something that I've been studying through his word specifically for me. And it always will be based on the logos or the logos of God's entire written word. It will never be different from that. But we've all experienced that. Maybe in your home studying, maybe through prayer, God brings a word to you at your work, a greater revelation. That's what that word rhema means in the name of Jesus. But it's that word, both the logos of God's word and the rhema that feed the church of God, that build us up and allow us to be those able ministers of the gospel. The second thing I would like to bring to your attention is this idea of being immersed in God's spirit. Is that not the theme of the New Testament, being immersed in God's spirit. And I came coming to a place like this, and I was sharing with Brother Tom earlier that a lot of the things of God, the supernatural of God, the Holy Ghost teachings in my prior Christian life had always intimidated me because I was ignorant to them. I just didn't know. I'd heard of it. I was like those disciples in Acts 19 of John. Um, but they... At least they never heard of it, but they were they were following God. But I was like them in the sense that I really didn't. I was ignorant to it. I didn't understand what it was all about. So it was intimidating to me. I was afraid to to, to talk about it. And when I would read the teachings of the Holy Ghost in my Bible, I knew that I was missing something. I knew that I hadn't received something yet. But I came into a place like this where I immediately could tell I can receive some things here. I can now receive these things because it was taught. It was embraced. And I tell you, if it's not taught, it's not going to be received. God, the gospel is designed to be taught. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. And that's how you and I start getting faith in the things of God. We come into a place like this. And even though we hear things that are not comfortable to our flesh, even though we hear things that maybe even rub us the wrong way or intimidate us, if we stick around long enough, we can start receiving some of these things. If we stick around long enough. We can start embracing some of these things. They can become engrafted into us. Isn't that what the, the word engrafted means to be become part of you and I? If we stick around and not run away. If we will also not go fishing, and I'm not, I'm not slamming fishermen in here, or hunters or anything. I'm not advocating against it, but I'm just saying, when we decide to set aside our lives and, and, and yield finally to the will of God, God can bring all these things into our lives, the restoration, the healing, the fulfillment in life that we've been craving our whole lives and not been able to embrace. But if we can learn to put God first, like Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But that takes faith, brothers and sisters. But that's our mission. It's not going to be always comfortable. We don't always are not always going to see what's right ahead or understand everything. But if we will commit, if we will just follow and learn to trust God with our lives, we will, he will put it all together like God is so good at doing for us. And many of us, many of us have to testify of that experience that, man, one day God just put it all together for me. It made sense. I get it now. You know, the things I've been wrestling and fighting against with God for so many years, I now understand and I can receive and I can have peace with that. And I know that as our Heavenly Father, 
God is bringing us all into that. He's drawing you and I into that place. It's not a scary place. It's not a place where we need to be intimidated. It's not a place where, well, that's just not me. It's them. It's a place where we all belong. Amen. Doesn't God know a thing or two about life and, and where, what fulfills us and what you and I need? I think he does. And I think he knows you and I more than we do. And he knows exactly what's going to fulfill your life. If we will just trust him today in the name of Jesus and learn that through his spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's the concept here, that God wants us to be filled that's the New Testament message. That's the one we can take a hold of. If you don't, if we can't grasp anything else, let, let us understand that God wants us to be filled. He doesn't want us to be lacking. We serve a God who wants us to be complete and whole and filled up every day so that the world, there's no room for what the world wants to put into us. There's no room anymore for the, the influence of the love of the, of the world or the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes. God is taking that place. He abides there. The abiding presence of God is the promise for each and every person here, no matter who you are. He wants you to know that and receive that in Jesus' name. And that's the theme I see throughout the old, the entire New Testament, and really the Bible, is that God wants to do this. He knows that you and I are fallen. Our nature, our human nature, needs a regeneration. It needs to be restored. It needs, it cannot, we cannot live for a holy God in the strength of this flesh. It will fall every time. That's why Jesus came. He not only gave of his own flesh, but he said, I'm going to give you something to help you out. My spirit and my word. If we could learn to embrace these things and be immersed in these things, we will have success in Jesus' name. Did you know that in the Old Testament, approximately, these are approximate numbers, that the word prayer, praying, prayers, prayed, was mentioned 461 times. In the New Testament, 291 times. I think God wants us to pray. I think God wants us to learn how to pray. And it's okay to say, Jesus, teach me how to pray. I heard, I heard about prayer like many of other things of God and didn't really know how to pray. But God is teaching me. How to pray. He's teaching me to pray effective prayers in his kingdom. Not just prayers for me. Prayers for other people. Prayers that God would break through in that person's life. In that person's life. This brother's life. This sister's life. Whoever. This person we met at work. To intercede. God can teach us how to do that. And I believe that's what the church needs to be doing. The early church did. And they had great breakthrough in the name of Jesus. So the Bible, and I've heard it, maybe you've heard this saying too, that it's hard to fall when we're on our knees. That's a cliche, I get it. But the reference is, if we're praying, if we're praying on our knees, we're going to be walking with the Lord. You see, the idea of the New Testament is God wants to co-labor with you and I. 
in this field, this harvest field. And I pray that you and I can have the eyes to see that the harvest is white already. It's ready to be harvested. God is already doing what he's going to do. He's already poured out his spirit. He's already, the word's gone forth. You and I just need to have the eyes to see the harvest. God, help us to be a co-labor with him in this thing called the end times. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your grace. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, and I'm getting ready to close here, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Don't you want to pray effective? prayers like that? Don't you want to pray and know that God's hearing you and when you pray for someone, they're going to be delivered or healed or they're going to be able to receive the things of God? I want to be like that. That's who I want to be. When I sit down with someone at the jail Bible study, I want to be able to pray a prayer with them, the prayer of faith and see them receive the Holy Ghost and be baptized and just get victory in in the name of Jesus right there on the spot. And I see that happening in the Bible. Don't you want to be that? Don't you want to experience that in your life? I want to be that. I want to be the church that the church tells me and teaches me about in the Bible. I want to be that person, a called out one, able minister of the gospel. But that means I've got to lay aside my will. That means I've got to surrender it all. And and I'm willing to do that. So, Lord, today, as we close in the name of Jesus, I pray if there's anyone here who, Lord, wants to be filled, who has, has, has been lacking and who wants to be immersed in the things of God, who wants to be filled with the fullness of God, who wants to give you, Lord, your time and your space in their lives and not hold back, but to surrender it all. This altar is open for you. If you have any prayer requests, if you are in need of a healing, if you want an answer from God, this altar is open for you. I believe in the ministry of the saints. The Bible says in the New Testament that they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That word addicted means devoted. They were devoted to the ministry of the saints. And that's what consumed their lives. And brothers and sisters, I hope today you believe in the ministry of the saints. And if that's not you today, this altar's open to receive something from the Lord. This is the day of our salvation. Jesus, when he, when he wept over the city of Jerusalem, he wept because they didn't recognize that day of their visitation. Lord, help us recognize what you're doing in our lives today. Help us behold these things. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. hallelujah.